Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack. This week, we'll recap all four games of the Canadian Premier League. What a weekend it was as the final four are sealed. And we'll preview Canada as they get set to welcome Costa Rica and Mexico to Edmonton in World Cup qualifiers. As usual, warm welcome to Charlie O'Connor-Clark, Marty Thompson, and a bigger, even warmer welcome to our fourth guest, Marco Bustos. No offense to Benedict Rhodes, but we have upgraded a little bit here. Uh, and Benedict will love me for saying that because he knows how much of a fan we are of Marco. Marco, uh, thanks for joining the show. How are you, man? No, thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, I watch these every week. You know, it's cool to see you guys talk about uh, talk about the game. It's because... That's something we haven't had in in the country for a long time. So, uh, you know, I'm always tuning in and now able to be on, a, on the podcast show with you guys. Uh, you know, things are going good and excited to excited to join. Pleasure to have you. Marco will be, of course, giving us a little bit of his thoughts on the weekend's games as well. And, of course, we'll get to Pacific later on. If you missed it, the results this week were York United 1, Forge FC 2. Uh, goal by Absi, followed by Pasias and Chouanier in the second half. Gave three points for all for Bobby Sminiotis' team. FC Edmonton 3, Valor 3. What a game this was. Marty Thompson was all over it. I can't wait to hear his uh, energy in his voice as he recaps this six-goal thriller. Warshevsky, Didich and Gonzalez put Edmonton up by three goals to nil. Valor looked like they were done. Dyer with two, four dice with one, and in the end they were done, but they gave us some real entertainment during the process. On Sunday at the Wanderers Gowns, Halifax Wanderers won, Atletico Ottawa won. Both that result and the Valor result meant that Halifax and Valor were eliminated, and York are in as the final four is cemented. Fourth place for York United. We'll get into that as well in the show. And the final game of the weekend in the Come On Match of the Week live on One Soccer was Cavalry FC 1, Pacific FC 0. A close one ended by a terrific strike by the prolific man up front, Joe Mason, his seventh goal of the season. We will start in chronological order and we start with York, who make the playoffs for the first time despite losing a game they led. Charlie, you and I were there. Yeah. Um, an interesting game and one I think York will be looked back on as saying, even though they didn't get the three points and of course they got the prize slot in the end, Charlie, one they probably could take a lot from because in the first half they were very good. They were, they were, and I think there's a few of those chances that they, they really wanted back. I mean, even even in the second half, I think there was a Julian Ulbricht header that mm. he definitely wanted back, and that's that was kind of the mood after the game, right? With with Jimmy Brennan and, and Jordan Wilson, especially the player that they brought out after, was very impressed with the energy they brought to that game, especially off the first half. And you know, they looked like a team that knew that a win would get them into the playoffs, and you know, I. As has been the case at, at certain times this year for York, the finishing maybe wasn't there. The final balls were eluding them a little bit. But there was a lot to like in this first half performance. But then Forge uh, were Forge, and they, <laughs> they scored twice. Yeah, Forge came alive in the second half. Some tactical changes. We'll get into them in a second. But uh, players impressed, uh, Charlie. I think uh, Johnston, again, was terrific in midfield. Absey with a goal. Uh, let's talk about Absey's role in the game because he broke through in that second in that in, in that second probably run he had during the wing there and then yeah. in the end was able to score that goal. Um, just a big player coming back at a crucial time for York, uh, Charlie, at the time after missing a couple of games through suspension. Yeah, uh, he, he missed that two games and you know, all of a sudden when you sit out a couple, you have a lot more energy after a long season, right? Right. And you could kind of tell right off the bat that Abzi was really up for this one. He was making those runs down that down that left side. And 
it ended up being a pretty fun battle between him playing left back on that side and Eleman Cisse playing right back for Forge. Uh, but he was looking a little bit more electric, a little bit more like that that pacey fullback that especially he started the season as. And, you know, that's obviously excellent news for York. Marco, let's turn to you about York here. Few people expected them to be here. 36 points from 27 games. They lost three out of eight in the bubble, and it didn't look like it was necessarily points per game heading their way. They've only lost four of 19 since. I know you played them in the bubble. You played them in your last MLS appearance as well that didn't necessarily go your way that day. A lot of decisions certainly were a bit controversial. But what do you make of York? How difficult are they to play against? Yeah, obviously they're, uh, they're in the best reason. You know, they're, they're quite a young team, you know, like, like uh, most of the teams in the league. Uh, you know, but the, their philosophy is, you know, starting these young guys and giving them the opportunity to play. And quite frankly, they've done well with it because they're in the playoffs. You know, they've got uh, they've got some good players. You know, Abzi, you know, one of one of the better players in the league. A young midfield they have, and it's it's a group that that you know they they came to play us most recently. Mm. is uh you know i just after the game i felt you know, they they were more gritty than us you know they obviously beat us uh we've dropped quite a few points recently but uh you know they have they have what it takes i think to you know they're gonna match up against whoever is first place between calvary and forge and they'll match up well you know like i said they're they're a young group um you know they just gotta they just gotta stay humble and stay stay focused because you know that that's that's i think the difference between you know like a forge for example they they know how to win you know they're they're a team that's won back to back and trying to win a third and in their way is three other teams and right. our team pacific is you know they're in the way of us trying to get to to win a championship but, uh, you know, just, I think just, just the winning identity is something that, that needs to keep building in every team. But, uh, but yeah, York, York is, York, I think is in a place where they deserve to be. You know, they've been fighting the last two months with the other, other two teams for that last spot. And the three of us at the top have kind of been separated from, from the group, but, uh, no, it's been it's been interesting. Those three battling and then us three at the top battling the whole the whole year almost has been has been interesting for sure. Yeah, every, every credit to York. We mentioned it last week, and although they lost the game on the weekend, they've only lost seven of twenty seven. So they've only lost four, as I said, outside the bubble, and they've been in every one of those games, Marty. And uh, you know, our attention now is going to turn towards obviously their game plays Tuesday, but what are their credentials for playoffs? Right, like what what can they accomplish? Um. What do you look for as a team going into a knockout stages games? Teams that are difficult to beat, right? They're difficult to beat. And if they do play Forge, and we're going to get into that way before the season starts with a proper player preview, but it has to be said, um, of all the teams, Halifax, Valor, who could have played Forge in this playoffs, they're one that Forge probably don't want to play. They've been to Tim Horton's field already and beat them twice already. Um, so this is looking good for York, Mike. The only team to beat Forge at Tim Hortons Field this year, York, and they've done it twice, as you mentioned. They have a bit of grit. They have a bit of edge, Marco. I know you just sort of touched on it there, and you've played against them quite recently. Maybe I'll flip this to you in a bit. But, like, you know, this is a team that just continues to, even again, they, you know, Forge was Forge. 
um, on the weekend. But at the same time, they just kind of have that little edge and that little bit of uncertainty maybe in the opposing team that they could just flip result on its head, Marco. Is is that what, how would you describe it? Like, how would you describe what York brings in a game and that kind of edge and that grit? Yeah, I think uh, I can I can speak from the experience of playing against them. You know, like I said, you know, they're a team that has grit. You know, they're they fight. Um, and we're, we're we're like Pacific. We're a team that likes to play to our style. And I feel like every time we've played them, they've showed us a different hand and a mm. different way they played. Right. Interesting. And uh, that's that's something that can that can benefit them. You know, they, they obviously go out there and and uh, work hard. Um, we obviously go out with a with a different style. You know, we like to keep the ball and move it around, recycle it, and that's the way we play. We we train every day to play like that. Mm. And just them coming out, I've played them three times this year, and three times they've looked different on the field. You know. Yeah. Uh, different team, uh, different players on the pitch, you know. So obviously they they take quite a bit of guys, and I think I think it's just uh, it's just another another example of you know giving these young guys opportunity. It's just them taking, and obviously they have they've done well getting the playoffs, and and obviously they've done well against Forge. You know they've mm-hmm. beat Forge twice, and we've never beat Forge. I, I personally yeah. have never beat Forge. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Another final to come, maybe between uh, right. another big game between Forge and Pacific. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Forge go top, by the way, for the first time this season. A pretty good time to go top for them after obviously not playing a lot of games and still having games in hand. Uh, they will likely remain there. They just need three points from their last three games to secure top spot. Even if Cavalry can get to 50, Forge would have the advantage over the first tiebreaker, which is wins. Again, depth was there to be seen on the weekend, Charlie. Um, You mentioned York struggling to put away their chances. Forge came into the game in the second half. Kruzen moving back into centre-back, having played in midfield. They could could really play the ball through the lines quicker. I thought Awuwa did well moving into midfield. And then, just when York are looking to try and break things open, no disrespect to the players that are coming on the pitch for them, uh, but on can come the likes of Borges and Schwanier and others um, for Forge. And that was a difference as they stepped up to a new gear, Charlie, in that second half. Yeah, no, it, it really was, especially when they, they kind of brought all these guys on. Mobabuli as well came on, I think, for the last 10 minutes of this game. And he ended up actually making quite the impact. And so it good. really, yeah, he was really good. It really ended up kind of smothering York a little bit as they were trying to get back in the game. I think Forge probably had some of the better opportunities in that last maybe five, 10 minutes of the game. But uh, yeah, this was Forge again, just showcasing this depth and this ability to, you know, play players in different positions to, you know, play in different ways. As, as you mentioned, Christian, obviously Daniel Krupsen starts the game in midfield, trying to to get a little bit of rest for Alexander Kinyoti Janssen, who has played a lot of minutes this year. He gets the day off, so Krutzen comes in midfield. Bobby Smirniotis maybe not necessarily liking what he sees, so he puts Krutzen into the back line and Awua into midfield, and all of a sudden they're covering more ground. Awua actually said after the game that he wasn't necessarily sure what exactly the job he was supposed to do there was, but he just felt like he needed to cover some more ground and take some of the running burden away from Kyle Becker, which I think he did, and it just you know goes to show how many players Forge have that can come in and, and just play a role and really get the job done when they need to. 
yeah, I spoke to Kwame well, myself after the game as well in the tunnel. And, and I said, did you enjoy that midfield role? And I said, well, you're kind of used to it because he's the left back. He plays that role sometimes inverted. Yeah. And he said yeah. to me, quite rightly so as well. He said, yeah, but then in those moments, I also have to play left back and defend as well. So this time I could just sit in midfield. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty accurate assessment. And this time he wasn't asked to do too many different things. But yeah, every credit Forge again, uh, showing their style and on top of the Canadian Premier League. Uh, let's move on to the craziness at Clark Stadium in Alberta, in Edmonton. And just when we thought that this game was probably done, and I think our friend Adam Jenkins actually called it done, and he's every oh, right no. to have said that, but I think he said Valor are done, and he actually was right at 3-0. Uh, but in the end, it wasn't quite done, Marty. And as a journalist covering a game, I'm sure you wrote your intro about four different times here during the second <laughs> half. It's funny you mentioned that, Christian. I, I'll have to agree with Adam on this. I have never been more, more certain on a result in the CPL over the last three <laughs> years watching it. No, so like, I mean, it's yeah, 70, out the CPL unpredictability, my friend. 75th minute rolls around, and it's like, you know, you, you obviously just feel bad for Valor, right? They've come off, they've come off these two big wins, and you're just wondering, yeah, you know, maybe the third was too much of an ask. I think Akio got the first shot on target for them shortly after that. Then obviously the two goals from Dyer, we should note Moses Dyer was great in that game. He never stopped running. He was trying to pounce on balls and trying to make stuff happen when, when they were at their lowest. And then obviously assists on the Moses Dyer or on the, uh, on the uh, Daryl Fordyce goal there to tie it up. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was funny when, when Phil DeSanto sat down for the post-game press conference, I, I had to ask him what what he wanted to talk about because it was such a it was such a contrast in the last 15 minutes where again it looked so done and dusted to the point where Akio had a chance at the end of the game. If you didn't catch it, he had a chance at the end of the game to to win it yeah. and to put them into. I mean, now considering how the results have shaken out, and we'll get to Halifax, that would have put them in fourth yeah. at this point, right? And yeah. uh, and I mean, just missed it. It was just maybe too little too late but i mean what a performance for valor and also what a performance from edmonton as well before that they played really well save for the last 15 minutes marco as a player um first of all have you ever been in a game like this where you've had a big lead and then surrendered it and i guess the answer to the next question is pretty obvious but i'd like to hear your point would you rather have a team that plays brilliantly for 75 minutes and lead 3-0 or would you rather be on a team that just has this unbelievable 15 minutes and comes back and ties it in 3-3? <laughs> um, That's actually a good question. <laughs> yeah, that is a great question. Uh, at the professional level, I've not had a game like that. But I would definitely like to be the team that has gone down you know, And then the last yeah. 15, 10 minutes, we come back and tie the game. Nice. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, that's just... You never want to be on the on the on the state on the end of the stick where you're up and you give the lead away, especially a three 0 lead in the last fifteen minutes. That's a, that's a tough one. That's yeah, a that, tough that's, one. And that's tough. Yeah, the Edmund the Edmonton guys won't want to want to be thinking about that today. And obviously, Valor, if they could have got the fourth, we'd be we'd be speaking a little bit more highly about them today. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. What about what about FC Edmonton, Marty? How was Alan Koch, poor guy, uh, after the game? Because what's been noted about this team and what we spoke about a lot this year is the clear identity that they've become tougher to break down, right? They've been way better without yep. the ball than they have seen in previous iterations of this team in this league. Um, maybe they've run out of gas. Maybe they've tried to open it up in games that don't matter uh, for them because they've been eliminated for a while. But the facts are the facts. You know, 13 goals conceded in four games. Uh, is a bit alarming, no? It was interesting because 
you know, Alan did agree with the assessment that the first 75 minutes were quite good, quite good. He said that the last 50 minutes of the game were the, the worst 50 minutes that they had, the only bad 50 minutes they had all week in right. lead up to that game as well. Um, I have to be honest and say that I was impressed by Edmonton really through that, through the first bit, they're moving the ball quite well. Obviously the goals were quite nice. They kept, they kept pushing for it. They kept moving the ball and kept, and kept trying to, to score more, but you're, you're kind of, you touched on it there, Christian, like, you know, the game ended up being so end to end um, in the final stages of that match. Um, and you wonder if that was even worth it. And I know Alan Koch said he, you know, he was disappointed. This team wasn't up six nil at halftime. He thought he thought they could have done it right. um, then. He thought they could have destroyed them, I think is what he said. Um, and it just comes down to to the game management. Um, but uh, but I mean, overall, this has to be considered to be not the worst result for Edmonton, at least not in the last couple of weeks. I'm sure Marco could attest to, uh, to attest to that. But um, but yeah, I mean, overall, some building blocks there for sure. Yeah, our guest certainly played a yeah. big part in, uh, I think it was a 5-1 demolition of FC Edmonton yeah. in that game. <laughs> he certainly had a great play, a great great part in that, coming back and showing his worth in MVP candidate. Um, Charlie, let me ask you this quickly before we move on to the next game. What a valor, because yeah. Um, yeah. obviously they do find a way to end on a high note. They scored 10 goals in their last three games yeah. and go mm -hmm. seven points. They get seven points from those last three games. That's their best run post-bubble. Um, obviously, they were very good in the bubble and, and ended top of the table there, but it's not gone their way since. Um, what do you make of them uh, going into an offseason where obviously no Andrew John Baptiste and they got destroyed by injuries? But is this stuff that you think that Phil De Santos will take from this game and, and be able to build around it? Yeah, it's it's been a profoundly bizarre season for Valor, right? Um, just just in a lot of different senses. But these last few weeks have been, if nothing else, extremely entertaining football from them, right? And this game, this comeback, you know. There is a lot to a lot to like if you're a coach. Obviously, you don't want to see your team go down three nil to, especially not to an eliminated team. But the fact that they were able to dig deep and even that three nil down to score, you know, one goal and then the second to keep going, is genuinely going to be heartening for Phil DeSantis just to see that these guys were willing to to fight it out to that last minute, even after the difficult season it's been. I mean, I don't think we learned this, but we already knew that Moses Dyer is a hell of a player. And he has yeah. been for about two months now. He's been arguably one of Valor's top maybe two or three players yeah. in the last last few weeks or months. But yeah, I, I think that there is something with this Valor team to build. I think that they're, they will be up for an interesting offseason here. I don't know how many changes Phil DeSantis wants to make. Obviously, a new coach coming in always... You know, wants to kind of get their fingerprints on the roster, right? But you know, I think there is there is something to work with here, and we've obviously seen it with the way that they've played in the last few weeks or, or month and a half, really. And Marco, we should to, oh, sorry, really quickly, just a, a fun quote from from post game from Phil. You know, he's talking about that there were a lot of good things that they're going to build on. You know, we just wanted them to fight to the last minute, and then at the end of the at the end of the answer, he just said, "I have to be honest, I'm just talking." And we're like. He's like, I'm talking because I want to show some respect to to the people in the room and the media. But he's like, you're gonna have to call me in the middle of the week. I'm gonna have to figure this out after. Every Which I thought credit. was a very very honest quote. Yeah. yeah, every credit, every credit, no doubt about that. It's some substance to it to come, I would imagine. After that, um, Marco, let me turn to you. Final word on Valley. Obviously, your former club, your hometown club. Uh, what do you make of them and their connections again to 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 that to that city and how important was it for that city to have this? 
full season again where they could go back and watch them after what was been has been obviously a difficult time during COVID. Yeah, it's obviously huge, you know, in, in every city, you know, with a league that's just started and then you get hit by COVID. You know, I can't imagine being one of the owners, but, uh, you know, to for the league to get this thing started again and start the season in Winnipeg, uh, it was big, you know, and for the city, you know, the everyone there in the bubble, you know, didn't get to see too much. And uh, you know, I got pounded by my, my teammates of how dusty, how dusty the city was, but... Uh, <laughs> But no, it's so dusty. I wish I, w- <laughs> so dusty. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have took him out to a couple of nice restaurants and next time uh, a couple other nice places. But yeah, next time there's always next time. But uh, no, it was big. It was big for you know, you know, in the bubble they they had their fans come. Um, you know, just to just to hear fans again was nice. You know, yeah. even from. Uh, even from uh, from being on another team, you know, after our game, played, and a uh, couple of us stayed behind for some media, and then we ended up watching the one of their first halves in in the tunnel there, and that was their first game that their fans came out to watch, and me and Paul were sitting there like, you know, it's it's nice to hear this again, you know, I think it was only a thousand or something, but it was still still nice, and then. Obviously, obviously, I think my, my parents have actually gone to a few games. Uh, I got close mm-hmm. with uh, Andy Baccaro. Mm-hmm. Now, now he's a, he's a family friend of mine now, I, I would consider. So they've gone to to support him a few games and they've enjoyed it. You know, it's just another fun thing to do in Winnipeg. And and uh, it's only going to get better. You know, every team in the league, every organization, you know, as time goes, the years come on. And, you know, there's there's no way looking back. You know, everything is going to get better. Um, you know, better players are going to come in, younger players, which gives more opportunity. And that's something that this league, you know, this country's never had. And now it's right in front of us. So I've, I I don't believe anything less than this thing. This league is just going to get better. Here. Yeah, great stories, great tidbits as well. Bacero has been one of the real bright spots for that team. Uh, an outstanding player for them at right back. Um, and even in midfield when he's been asked to. Okay, to the Wanderers grounds on Sunday we go. And what a sight. A packed house, celebration mood, a win, and they into fourth. They take an early lead. They're winning 1-0. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. And suddenly uh, from one set piece uh, from Arnone, uh, followed by a second yellow card, which we may want to get into. We may not. We're not going to bury the lead here, though. But Wanderers grounds are always a happy place. But at the end, even with Kieran Basket in the box and heading over the bar in a dramatic late moment uh, from the goalkeeper. And how fitting would it have been in a team all year that struggled to score goals, had a goalkeeper at a crucial time. (laughs) Put put one in for them. Yeah. (laughs) But in the end, they didn't able to do it. And I will start with a quote from Benedict's piece on our website from Stephen Hart, which summed it up pretty well when he went to say, quote, it was difficult for us in the bubble. And then when we came out of the bubble, there were a number of games where we should have come away with a victory. Through our own fault, we allowed teams to tie up the game or whatever. We dropped points at crucial times of the year where we shouldn't be dropping points. The players left everything on the field today. They really played for that victory. 
and it's unfortunate that we couldn't make it happen. And I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, for me, Halifax, when I look back at their season, I think about those games post-bubble, the game against York United, Lowell Wright, 90th minute winner, and then they go to Ottawa's home opener and Brian Wright gets the goal three minutes from time. They go to Forge, uh, and Awua scores this unbelievable goal in the 96th minute that I don't even think anybody knew was even coming. Uh, and if you think about that moment, that two goals, that two-point span just cost them here a lot as well. So, yeah, uh, in the end, though, they couldn't score goals, uh, Marty, and that was to their detriment on a big day against Ottawa. Yeah, there. It's. Uh, I mean, maybe this is the time to sort of look back on the season as a whole because there's – this is also a team that's been decimated by some injuries as well. And has been had some difficult issues with, with, with personnel. And I know we've already talked about how much Joel Morelli has affected their season, but, and how, how far he's carried them in terms of a points total. I know you had that a, a week ago or so Christian, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that really is what it is. I mean, Akeem Garcia just, you know, failed to launch. Um, there were some good moments from players like Stefan Karyavanovic, obviously Sam Salter had a good sort of last half of the season, but yeah, you're right. It's just the lack of goals. And it's funny you're looking at some of those results. It really it really was that York one. Eh? The York Lowell right 90th minute game because when they came out of the bubble, it was thinking, okay, well, they're gonna they're gonna have some of the best home field advantage. They're gonna have the best home field advantage in the league, I think. And we that crowd obviously uh yesterday was was a testament to that. They just failed to really take advantage of their their advantages really outside of the bubble. Yeah, a wonderful sight. And it has to yeah. be said, right? Because that's what the Canadian Premier League is based on, right? Like, just go, Marco, maybe I'll turn to you your thoughts on what you see at the Halifax grounds when you go down there and see what they can do at the Wanderers grounds in Halifax. Because the results on the field didn't go their way this year. But again, just to see that kind of sight, that amount of people in that stadium is fantastic for this league. What's it like when you see that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. You know, going there obviously is a long trip. Uh, you get there. For everyone except the teams in uh, in Ontario, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm not sure if if uh, the first year anyone ever won there. You guys know? I think Forge won there once. I think they Forge. Oh, I don't think Forge. they did. I Forge or, didn't win there first year. Oh? Somebody somebody won there. Like once. we'll check. We'll but check was, for you. Was, you carry yeah, on. I'll have a look. I think yeah. Bonavere actually might have won, won there. One. <laughs> yeah, I think Anyways, one yeah. team. One team won there in the, in yeah. the first year. That, that kind of tells the story of what it's like to play there. You know, uh, for me, for me, going there was nice. You know, one of one of the two grass pitches that were nice at the time. Yeah, not not on par the first year, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, no, was, you know, you go there. You know, for a league, a Canadian thing that's just started. Team Halifax. I think the the first time I went there was it was Pack Stadium. You know, Halifax versus mm -hmm. Valor. And, uh, you know, it was a really cool experience because I'd never been to Halifax before. I honestly didn't even know they had that many people there. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, no, you know, going there and, and a full stadium and, and loud, you know, not only just people watching, but people cheering and booing. And it, it was it was a great experience. And we, as Pacific Football Club, we didn't get to – or they did. I didn't because, um, obviously, I was injured at the time. But I, you know, that's one of the trips that I've always looked forward to. You know, it's a nice little little city and and just different. You know, for me, uh, it's it's a bit more European, UK style. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a market that's again going to keep growing. You know, eventually they might put some more stands along the side where 
where the, where the benches are, you know, adding more to the stadium. You know, uh, I'm not sure what the event, the event's like going to actually watch a game as a, as a spectator. Um, but like I said, you know, every, every year is going to grow. Every year is going to get better. That's all. That's all I'm going to continue saying. And, and it's going to be in every market. Yeah, I mean, the fan base is just, they were just fantastic yesterday. I had a good friend of mine there, actually, a former colleague of mine, Paul Brothers, who is the uh, anchor and host of the Morning News on Global Halifax and used to work with me at the score. And he and his family went there and sent me a message and great to see his pictures posted on Twitter. He just had an absolute blast. Um, it was Cavalry who won there twice in the league in 2019. Um, um, only in the league, they were the only team to do it. Um, they lost a couple of games at home, I think, as well in the cup. But yeah, the only team to do it. Andre Andre Rampas said the club captain. Oh, I thought it was a terrific. And he, by the way, he almost made our Gatorade team of the week this week. He was very good. He ended up saying, "Quote: Sometimes it's just not meant to be. I'm impressed with the guys for trying. We kept pushing, and we're going to be back." For our season as a whole, one of our biggest problems was scoring goals. We were making chances, but scoring goals was a problem. It kind of showed today in the end. How fitting, no doubt about it, right? In terms of when you when you look at the problems they had, they needed two goals to win a game, and they've only done that twice in the last 11 games. And in total, 19 of their 28 games this season, they scored one goal or less. Uh, so that inevitably was the biggest problem for them. Uh, final word on Ottawa, Atletico Ottawa, end again uh, on an unbeaten run. Never went three games in a row without a loss until October. It was just one loss in their last six. And in a game that didn't mean anything, Charlie, uh, mm-hmm. your friend and my Mista with an unbelievable <laughs> celebration when the goal went in, uh, like it, it meant yeah. like the world to him, bless his heart. You could see that they did not want to end the season on a dour note. And uh, Arnone put the ball in the net and then put his boot on the corner flag. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah, that where you want, mate. I just passed yeah, you a ball. You can go and do what you want with it. Interesting. I don't really want to to spend too much time on that because I think we're probably all in agreement on on that. <laughs> Marco, give it together. Have you ever seen a corner flag? Let's not ask Marco Bustos for his opinion. I don't want him to get fined. I don't need. We we know his reaction. You can just if you if you're unsure yeah, yeah. about how Marco Bustos felt about the decision, just look at his face uh, and just see his reaction. That's all we need to know about that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's Ottawa. go back. Let's, let's talk keep about our, Ottawa. Let's keep our, our let's, sales. Let's, talk uh, about Ottawa. Yeah, let's keep uh, money in our pocket. And Mista and Ottawa get a yeah. crucial point here, Charlie. They did. They did. And, you know, they have had a season with a lot of lows. And it's, you know, obviously going to be very exciting for them to score goals at difficult places like the Wanderers grounds to get this point, you know, to play spoiler in a sense here. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it last week. They played that five at the back here again. And yeah. it continues to be a lot better than they had been all season, right? So obviously that's a that's a major, major thing to draw out of this season that they've looked so much better in that system. But again, you know, Antoine Coupland continues to be an important part of that team. The more that he's gotten those minutes, he's obviously a very young player and he started the season as kind of a, a fringe part of the squad. And he's just gotten more and more involved and he's been been really, really good, I think, in the last few weeks. But yeah, Ottawa, obviously another team with a lot of work to do this offseason, a lot to kind of digest and, and figure out, especially in terms of you know the players on the squad and, and who they really want to bring back, who they see as part of this, this group for the future. But they'll certainly be, I mean, they didn't win the game, but they'll be a little bit happier to end it on a note like that with, with you know, a good goal. 
Yeah, and they get to yeah. 26 points. And if Edmonton this weekend lose to Forge, then Edmonton will finish last. Uh, you know, small victories for Ottawa, but not finishing on bottom of the league. I'm sure it will make a bit of a difference from them. Um, I can't ask Marco this. So, Marty, you ever scored a goal <laughs> and kicked the corner flag, mate? <laughs> no. Have you scored no. a goal before? <laughs> That's uh, what I like. Only to in see. training. Only in training. Only training. <laughs> yeah. Marty Thompson did the League One finals this weekend. As you're commentating, any crazy celebrations or corner flags kicked? No, nothing like Ooh, that. Oh, that's that's a, uh, no, no corner no. flags kicked. Uh, actually, we oh, actually no, I, uh, we did get a great get a crazy celebration. Uh, CPL veteran Jace Katsopoulos played for Forge and for York. Uh, scores a penalty for Guelph United. They won. They're moving on to the Canadian Championship. And yep. uh, took the tarp off, ran to the crowd. It was great. A lot of lot of traveling nice. fans from Guelph. That was a nice. There moment. you go. Nice yeah, to see. I, I I think he got a yellow card for that, but maybe he wasn't sent off. Not sure. Thankfully, I, all I got a, I got a question. Saved. Yes, please. Is there is there any sort of rule where you can't touch the corner flag? Uh, there is not a rule specifically uh, protecting corner flags, uh, although this, the you know mm. poor corner flags were, were many who have been harmed. You will remember that Jamie Vardy dismantled a corner flag he when he scored it. a winner, uh, and did <laughs> get a yellow card for it in the yes. Premier League. Um, he absolutely dismantled it; it just shattered. I actually thought this Arnone one, and we're going to get into this. Why not now? Arnone one, I thought it just bounced back. That's I didn't big. even know it broke. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I mean yeah. Apparently it. Apparently, it did break. Um, so, Gareth Wheeler, who was calling the game, and I were in a text message conversation during the commentating because he couldn't believe it. Uh, there are rules around things that protect them that, that say you can get cautioned if in a, during a celebration with wording like delaying a restart, which technically he didn't because he was back in the ready to go within 20 seconds. I watched it. Yeah. Unsporting behavior or showing lack of respect. So all of that kind of could fall into it. Mike Thompson's not already. I can't even. I can't even finish the sentence. Respect for inanimate objects. But corner flags. We got to save the well, corner that's, flag. And like, Marty, that's Marty, Marty, I have a question. Do you remember if Jose Escalante got a yellow card for picking out the corner flag and riding it like a horse in 2019? I don't think he did, but we can check if he. Yeah, because he rode it like a horse. He rode it like a horse. How does that? How does that? He did not, not damage you? the corner flag. He gave the corner flag <laughs> no, he, love. So he, here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing about the celebration about the one in Sunday. We have to say this. Like it was honestly kind of tame. Like, yeah. like Matt, like Matt, obviously, like to his credits, like doesn't score very, very many goals. He's like sick, starts running like maybe like a little too fast. I don't know if we're going to start policing that or not. And it was like it was just tame. Like it, it just tame. it was at the end of the day, like you can't really look at that and say that it was like you mentioned the word excessive, like far from that. It was no, a normal it celebration. Yeah, yeah, normal, if not even the maybe even a bit subdued. He didn't go Ken or Ryu from Street Fighter or anything. It just, it just, it was just a tiny little top. Yeah, it's just that, that celebration is funny to see get sent off. One of my, one of my good friends, a mentor of mine, Giles Barnes. Every time he scored, he did the same celebration. Right, you know, run right to the right. corner flag and double kick it with both feet. Every <laughs> single goal he scored. So, yeah, that takes that takes some. Fitness as well to double kick it with both feet. That's that, that that's that's bold. I have I hate to break it to you, Charlie. Jose Escalante did get a yellow card. No, oh, did get a yellow card right. immediately after he scored right. in the 86th minute. See that, that one, I can kind of understand. I got to be honest. So what we're saying is, if he knew he was going to get a yellow card, he should have just instead of kicking the corner flag, he should have just pulled it and rode it all around the wonders yes. ground. 
At least make it worth it. (laughs) Make it worth it to get the yellow card. (laughs) I felt for him. I really did. He was like, it just, just, just dumbfounded. Like he just couldn't believe it. But he was, yeah, he was, he was. Is what it is. It's just kind of funny at a certain point, right? Yeah. Hey, at least, at least they got a point out of it, and it counts. We we should move on to the final game uh, of the weekend. Cavalry won Pacific nil. Cavalry secure home game in the playoffs. Um, Charlie, you're our correspondent on this, and we'll get a start on a quote that you got for us on campio.ca from Tommy Wilden Jr., who said, quote, we knew what was on the line. We knew that we had to win. Uh, we want to have home field advantage here because you've heard our fans today. They were superb. They were our 12th man, and it's cold. It's hard. It's altitude, and these are the advantages that help you make you through the playoffs, and we intend to use that to our max. Uh, so what Tommy basically told us is he broke away from the peloton that he continued to tell us he was in all season and actually went for this one. Uh, and in the end, Charlie, they found a way to win and probably, and again, without Marco's blessing here, with a better team on the day. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's it's that much of a question. I think Palma Ducas said the exact same He did, to be thing, fair. Yeah, to be yeah. fair, which, uh, you know, you have to admit when it happens, right? But yeah, Cavalry, there were kind of two different halves. In that first half there, they were quite quick moving the ball forward. They're fairly direct. Uh, obviously, the, the goal, Mo Farsi, incredible player, makes a great ball into Joe Mason. It just kind of trusts that Mason has that individual quality to bring the ball down and and to finish it, which which he did. And then, you know, Cavalry had a few more chances in that, in that first half, but then they kind of sort of dug in in the second half. You know, they knew that Pacific would have a lot more of the ball, which they did but they kind of tried to force them to the outside or, or to maybe slow them down in the buildup just to make sure that they couldn't get caught in that transition or anything like that. And, you know, really Cavalry did quite a good job of, of suffocating, suffocating the opponent with the ball, which, uh, you know, is, is really what they needed. And I think Tommy said after the game, the most impressive part is they kept a clean sheet against the highest scoring team in the league in a game that was very important for both sides. So, you know, that's, that's absolutely very impressive. Yeah, I think it has to be said, injuries have hit every team this year, right? I mean, Mark, you know, Marty was talking earlier about Valor, but Cavalry going into this game, and I touched on it in the broadcast, only Ledgerwood and Simmons, right? Only, and only one of them is going to play in that game, right? So you could say that probably now 10 out of the 11 positions on that pitch were finally their best team, which we've been waiting for a long time. They had a week to prepare for it. They were burnt the last game at home in an uncharacteristic game against Valor where they gave away four goals and never done that yeah. at home ever. Never done that. Never done three. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side, no McNaughton, no Mr. Bustos, played midweek in Toronto in the, in the Canadian Championship. So although there was a lot on the line, it really wasn't an accurate reflection of both teams, Charlie. No. That's to be, I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, before we get to Pacific, final word on Cavalry. Maybe now we're starting to see what we what they want to become. This is quote is long, but it's very very apt. Again, from Charlie's piece, you can read online from Tommy Wilden Jr. about their identity. Quote: I think sometimes we've forgotten a bit of our identity that when that where you get to the playoffs, you get to these must-win games. Sometimes you've got to combine the pretty with the gritty. And I think we did that today. Uh, he said, quote, I think first half, there was some really nice football. Second half, we had to dig in and they made it physical, made it tough. I'm delighted, especially after conceding last week, to get a shutout against the highest scoring team in the league. It shows how tough our team is. My colleague on One Soccer, Oliver Platt, has been on this for a long time and has been right, Charlie. But Cavalry were nasty. 
were not a likable team to mm -hmm. play against for a long time. And this year, maybe during their evolution of playing pretty football and the way they started, weren't that way. But yesterday, in a very physical encounter, showed those characteristics that we saw a lot in, in past years. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, that has been a thing that we've known about Cavalry, especially from that 2019 season where they they would sometimes bully opponents. They'd get really up in their faces and they'd be physical. Jose Escalante, for very good reason, became one of the villains of the CPL, right? Not just for uh, riding corner flags either. Not just for riding corner flags, but that uh, probably didn't endear him to opponents too much. But uh, yeah, they kind of, obviously Cavalry, it's been a long season again, like every team. It's been tough to get through at times, but now that they're getting right down to the end of it here, they'll be very happy to see that edge come back. You know, that kind of aggressiveness, especially in the second half. And they actually, Cavalry, Mo Farsi said after the game that he was surprised by how how physical Pacific wanted to play mm. in that second mm. half there and how physical it got there. And to me, I don't know if that's a product of the fact that these guys have played each other seven times this year. I'm sure when, when you see a team that many times, you don't necessarily like them too much at this <laughs> point. And there's a very good chance that we'll see another matchup between them. But... Yeah, at the end of the day, Cavalry, basically, they, they, they found that intensity that they have maybe missed in some other games, and they found that ability to to win those duels. I think they won, like, 60% of the duels in this game. Right. Which, uh, you know, again, that's kind of been a big hallmark of when Cavalry are at their best. Pacific end their season in third, 45 points from 28 games. Cavalry up to second, 47 points from 27 games, and still with a slight chance of first although unlikely Forge would have to go three games without a win to allow Cavalry to go to the top. So we'll see. Uh, but if it is likely Cavalry against Pacific in the playoffs, you mentioned it, that will be round eight of this heavyweight matchup. And uh, although not official, pencil that in for the likelihood of being Saturday, November the 20th at Echo Field in Calgary. Um, Marco, I don't know what you, how much you want to say about this, but maybe something a little bit about familiarity breeding contempt. When you play a team a lot, you know each other, Tommy and Pa, they've played different formations. I know a game I went to this year, you played a little bit of a sh different shape. Then they played three, they played four. There's not a lot of th things to be surprised about anymore when you play these teams. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you play that team, like you guys said, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it ends up coming, it ends up becoming a, a very slow chess game. You know, we've beat them, they've beat us, we've tied them. Uh, I think the results are, are pretty equal. Exactly um, equal. But, exactly. But we have three yeah. three wins each in a draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we play very very different style of football, which is yeah. which is interesting. You, see, you know what works, what doesn't work. You go watch tape back. You know what happened when we beat them. What were the good things? You know, and then what were the bad things when they beat us? You know, it's a, like I said, you know, a very slow chess game. And at the end of the day, it comes it, when it when everything matters. When it, when it all matters is what's the most important, and that's going to be this playoff game, presumably probably against Calgary. Mm. You know, we beat them, they beat us, we've tied. But at the end of the day, it's about this last game to put us in the final. And I think we, we have, you know, we have every every right to, to get to the final. We just have to go there, play our, our style, and play with intensity because that's what I felt we lacked a bit Uh the past game was the intensity, you know, come, going to Toronto, playing TFC, that, that takes a lot of, takes a lot of like inner energy out of you, you know, the whole, yeah. the whole team, you know, whether you played 
zero minutes or 90 minutes you know it's a very very taxing on the mind the body um you know and then obviously going going to calgary you know not easy the travel um but i don't want to make any excuses you know for the boys or for for us you know we we definitely could have played better but uh, at the end of the day we're third place you know like pa said you know we've dropped way too many points in in october that uh i think we we deserve to be third place you know we were right for second the whole year so you know going there being in third place you know it's where we deserve to be with dropping all those points but at the end of the day we have we have uh, one game right now that we need to focus on you know regroup focus on that one game because you know it's like i always say 90 minutes of football anything can happen and we'll be ready Sorry to interrupt you. I thought you had done that. But let me focus on this one thing about, again, follow up with 13 days you've got now between the next game, right? I mean, question marks still remain about your fitness and, you know, about whether you'll be ready for that. I think it's fair to say questions about Lucas McNaughton as well. I think think behind the scenes there's still some things going on about whether that can be changed because of the wording around the rule and the first time that there's ever been a playoff. So we'll see if if that's happening. Um, But regardless, you or Lucas are not playing or are playing. 13 days is the longest gap gaps you've had between games all season long, right? Since the bubble started. How big is that for yeah. an athlete? How big is that for your your group of young players? And I think of a lot of young players, you know, Hajavrapur, Chung, so many guys who've been brilliant this year heard um, that will need that mental break a little bit. How big will that be for your group? Yeah, it's huge. You know, the guys came back from Calgary last night and we're going to get a few days off, which I think is deserved. You know, we've had a big week obviously a big year with a lot of logins and uh you know we have now time to prepare time to rest regroup you know come together and be cohesive you know because if we're not together unfortunately the team that's not together is a team that's going to lose and uh we've we've seen it you know we've come together in big games you know the white caps uh knocking calgary out in canada cup to go play tfc you know we did that because we were together and, uh, you know, unfortunately, those two games I had to watch from the stands, obviously uh, dealing with uh, with an injury myself. But, uh, you know, and even just observing, you know, watching from the stands, you could see it, you know, when we're at our best is we're front, front foot football. You know, we lose the ball, win it back right away, connect passes, you know, get 15, 20 passes before we, we get the goal. And it's just enjoy- it's a lot of enjoyment, you know, when, when I'm watching there in the, at Starlight Stadium. You know, watching from a different angle. You know, I, I like to sit behind the net and just from up top behind the net and see, you know, see the game. And it's uh, it's nice, you know, when when you know herds running down line at speed, you know, getting on the byline, cutting it back, you know, Diaz scoring or T scoring. You know, it's 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 a beautiful sight to see. Um, you know, I, I wish I had more games this year, but. Uh, put me in a different in a different role to you know you know learn learn a bit more about my teammates from a different from a different aspect and you know from sitting back and observing quite quite a bit this this year uh, I've noticed that you know when when we're at our best it's you know we're positive um, everyone's confident and you know we have 13 days now to to get that back and if we have that back I have no doubt we're we're going to the final and winning it.
Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. And uh, yeah, you got us as believers. I mean, just listen to that. You can see why a lot of people would look at, listen to you as a teammate and a leader in that dressing room. And great stories, by the way, about just staying away from the stadium, the stadium a little bit in a different look and get, getting to learn. Um, Marty, we're going to get a clash here that we're going to love, right? We're neutrals. We're broadcasters. Uh, Pacific Cavalry. I know we'll get into it later, but this is new territory for all of us. No, the league playoff semifinal, two teams that you could easily have made a case for of winning this whole thing. Uh, one of them is going to make a final and one of them is going to send the other team home very unhappy. This is going to be really, really special as we get to preview this pretty soon. Yeah, I love it. Just even how you just worded it there. Yeah, I mean, winner take all. Calvary, obviously, in, in Spruce Meadows is a tough place to play. Um, yeah, there's going to be so many storylines. Can't wait to cover this next week. It's going to be It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it'll be a great one. Uh, Pacific, obviously, coming in with a bit of a diff difficult time. Losers of six of the last nine, five out of the last seven. But as Marco said, it's all going to be down to that playoff game. You win the game, no one cares about that stuff. Uh, that is the defining moment of the season. Uh, games to come before we make the playoffs. Uh, York United take on Forge from York Line Stadium Live on One Soccer Tuesday at 7. On Saturday next week, many of us will be there after Canada play on Friday night in Edmonton. Edmonton take on Forge at Clark Field. Uh, in Edmonton and Forge come back to play Cavalry on Tuesday the 16th at 6 o'clock Eastern right before Canada play Mexico on the 16th and then we're done the regular season will be over and we'll be three games away from crowning a champion uh, before we finish gentlemen let's have a word about what's to come this week and Canada is back in the players have flown in many of them have arrived already in Edmonton many of them arrived today uh, it is Costa Rica on Friday. It is Mexico the following Tuesday on the 16th. Charlie, we're going to be all over this, by the way, campiel.ca. You can listen to all the press conferences, read all our previews. I'll be out there as well. Um, this is starting to feel very, very real, Charlie, about this possibility yeah. of a World Cup qualifying campaign ending in success. And the story right now is this, that we left a exuberant Toronto with 30,000-plus unbelievably happy um, moving to Edmonton, where some people were whispering, why are they going there? And here comes Edmonton with 40,000 tickets plus sold for both games. And uh, if that doesn't show this nation is galvanized by this team, what it, what does, Charlie? This is exciting times. Yeah, I am very excited for these two games in Edmonton. That's That Commonwealth Stadium is massive. You know, every time John Herdman gets asked about it, he thinks back to, I think they played there at the 2015 Women's World Cup. And there were some massive moments in yeah. front of a really good crowd there, which, you know, Herdman was saying, we want that exact kind of energy here on the men's side. Uh, I'm just looking at the weather forecast at the moment for Edmonton. Uh, KJ, I hope you have a big coat. Because <laughs> it's I looking have, like... I have a big be, coat. I'm a, Northerner, well. I'm a Northern Englishman, mate. <laughs> yeah. I'm made of tough stuff. Yeah, but it's looking like it will be It will be well below uh, below freezing by, by the time we kick off. Uh, okay. I cannot imagine that the Costa Ricans or the Mexicans will be particularly thrilled with that, which is just another, you know, another reason to have one of these games but there in Edmonton. Which, which Canadian plays constantly in in freezing temperatures? Not often. That is true. But you know, we we've asked them about this before, and they'll they'll all say, you know, we did it as a kid at least. I, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you guys have <laughs> with our books. you know some time played uh or at least you know what it's like to be that cold a lot of these guys coming from from central america 100%. or something will never even have felt anything like this and then obviously the third thing is the third thing about these games are alfonso davies is coming home right and he's just thrilled to be going there to edmonton he said he hasn't ever played a professional game in edmonton 
which is exciting. I don't think he's he's played. He hasn't played there at all since he was like 13. So this is going to be just a very special couple of games for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah, really special. And uh, I know everyone's got their eye on Canada versus Mexico, but uh, Costa Rica's bigger. I'm just saying. They're a good team. (laughs) Win that game. It's enormous. Win that game. And, you know, by the way, Canada, Mexico playing the U.S. as well. Win that game and then take a look at what you think the standings are going to look like before the Mexico match. Um, So that that game on Friday night is absolutely massive. No Um, Kaylor Navas for Costa Rica. No Kaylor Navas, I know. Pulled out with injury last night. So that's another. It's all all going well right now for for, for Canada. Canada. Uh, Yeah. Marco, what excites you about this team and uh, what has really caught your imagination during this time? Yeah, you know, just the excitement around the team is, you know, what Canada's never had before is, you know, all these guys getting called in are all playing. They're all they're all starting for their team. They're all playing at a really high level, which is important, and that's what's showing that what what the what this country can bring. You know, I think I think full on they can qualify for the World Cup, hundred percent. You know, they got one of the best players in the world, in Alfonso. You know, every time I see that guy play is from what I remember when he was 15, you know, 14, 15 to now is, you know, it's nice to see the growth that, that he's had, you know, back in the Whitecaps, he, he grew so quickly. And then obviously I had left and then he had his, you know, stop season and got sold. But, uh, you know, to, to see him at, at that level shows that, you know, it's possible. And, you know, he can be the guy to, to help bring this country to a World Cup. And obviously, you can't do it yourself. But the supporting cast around is is great. You know, you got guys playing every minute in MLS. You know, guys playing Champions League, Europa League. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's it's motivating and inspirational. Because, you know, for me, for me, you never know. You know, for me, age is, age is just a number. And... And where where you play is is irrelevant because if you're a good player, you deserve to be called up. And and for me is you know if if I get myself in and around or a sniff at least in that in that roster or in that you know 30 man roster, 40 man preliminary roster, you know that that's an accomplishment for me. You know I, I was around there back in uh, back in January beginning of the year. And uh, it was it was nice to see you know the level of those guys you know, training, um, the intensity, the detail that John Herdman has in his in his way. You know, it was uh, I definitely learned a lot, and gonna keep learning, keep pushing. Because for me, that was one of my goals. You know, coming to Pacific, I told Pa, you know, here I, I want to under Pacific, I, I want to get a call to the national team. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of my goals, and. Uh, and yeah, you know, for me, again, you know, just inspirational. And I can't imagine, you know, how many people, you know, not involved in football now is, you know, get them involved because this is a team you have to, you have to jump on their back, you know, like uh, the Canadian uh, hockey team, you know, it's a big team. They go around, they'll fill up arenas. You know, why can't the, the football team fill up stadiums? You know, it's, you just got to get everyone on board and, and uh, I'm definitely on board. Well said. Well said, my friend. Pretty much the best place to end it right there, I think. Uh, Marco, it's been a blast. You had fun? Enjoyed it? You enjoy yourself? Yeah, 100%. 100% I enjoyed myself. You know, <laughs> well, we can't thank you uh, enough nice, for coming it's, on. 
No, no problem. Thank you. It's nice to talk with you guys and just chat football. Something different. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. We appreciate yeah. your time and we and, and something inside that you that we can never bring. So we appreciate the analysis and insight that you bring. And best of luck in your quick, speedy recovery as as well, my friend. Marty, great stuff, my friend. Excited for Canada this week. Should be a big one, right? Absolutely. All good. Marco, are you gonna re-listen to this? Are you gonna listen <laughs> back? Or is it gonna I be too crisp to, to hear your own voice? I, I might I might go uh, you know, fast forward to when I talk. <laughs> all the good parts no, yeah exactly that's the right, all the good parts. That's right no hon- honestly right. honestly i don't like listening to myself talk that's, none that's of us honest. do it's tough man yeah it's yeah. tough I, I sound yeah. weird yeah <laughs> we're all the same we all sound weird when we listen to ourselves uh but thankfully everybody else listening doesn't think we're weird because they're still listening 57 minutes into the show so uh, we can't thank you enough for that everybody uh a reminder campiel.ca full of our coverage around the league this week uh, getting ready for the playoffs and for canada and a special guest this week on beyond the pitch and why not if you're 57 minutes into this you deserve to be told atiba hutchinson joins me on the beyond the pitch this week to talk all about his love for canada his career as he met with me last week from istanbul so that was a really special interview as well uh one of my favorites in in sports in general and a true canadian sports icon so thanks for that it's a great conversation about half an hour i'll have with him that will be out this week again thanks to everybody for joining us thanks for listening thanks to charlie and marty keep up the great work and marco get well and get fit soon again thanks for joining us we'll have you on again real soon thanks again to everybody enjoy the games take care of each other and we'll see you all soon